Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Paul. And we're going to challenge you to transform your financial future through the principles of the most profitable business in the world, banking. We believe everyone should be involved in two businesses, the business that you're in and the banking business. Everyday people can replicate what bankers have been doing for centuries to leverage capital and build wealth through private lending. Join us as we uncover the truths about money, expose lies and myths, and flip conventional financial advice on its head. Here we go. Hey, Paul. How was, uh, how was the trip home from work? How was your train ride? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, always, it's always entertaining. So for those of you who don't, don't know, I take the, the metro out of, out of D.C. back into the town that I live in. And yeah, it's just, it's always entertaining. I'll just say that. Yeah. Yep, I'm sure it is. Um, they got a, they've got a metro. I used to ride it from the airport, MSP, sometimes through, through the city. And... Yeah, depending on what time of day you ride that, uh, it, it gets more interesting. It's like a Walmart. You get going to Walmart at 2 a.m., you're going to see some people that uh, that don't come out during the daylight. It's entertaining. They're in their pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> That's just normal attire for a lot of people these days, I think. Yeah, it's, it's just weird. Yeah. You know, dress it's, for success, I guess. Yeah. Well, dress for the job you want. I guess if you want to be a, a couch bum, then uh, wear pajamas all yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, man. Well, hey, let's start the show with a question. So you had a question come in from a current client. Um, why don't you read that? And uh, we'll just get it started with that. Yeah, this came in from Chris. Chris is an active duty lieutenant colonel, professor of military science at one of our one of our programs in the Army. Great guy. Anyway, here's his question. This is like a three-parter. We're just going to do the first part. The first, um, he wanted to know, I'm going to paraphrase here. What does, what does being well capitalized mean? You guys and others use the term a bit. It is obviously different to different circumstances for different people. I think I am well capitalized based on the cash value of my policies, my bank, and my incoming and outgoing money. But could you explore it? I am sure the concept defies a crystal clear definition. What I want to answer is this. Am I well capitalized? And Dave and I were talking about this before we went on air here. And I think... Chris, certainly you are, but I think for everybody, if if you can say yes to opportunities that come across your desk, uh, I think you're well capitalized uh, from a, from a having deployable cash that you can use for whatever it is, whether it's an opportunity that you create yourself or an opportunity that somebody else brings to you that's within your network. If you're saying yes to these things and you're seeing the landscape differently, I would say you're well capitalized. Dave? Yep. The only thing I would add to that is uh, opportunities that fit your criteria, right? So yeah. you may not have, uh, you, maybe you haven't even determined what your criteria are for opportunities, but uh, by this point, Paul and I have, and if it fits our criteria, then, uh, and we can act on it, then yeah, we, we would consider ourselves well capitalized. So great. And that's a great lead in to talking criteria for opportunities mm -hmm. to what we want to talk about today, which we, uh, we don't want to always just paint a rosy picture of life, right? I think we've talked about mistakes and, and you know, things that, that we've screwed up on in the past. Uh, but today, we're kind of going to take a, a bit of a deep dive into the mistakes Paul and I have made over the course of the last, I guess for me, probably the last 15 years, um, maybe, yeah, about 15, 16 years, uh, the business mistakes that I've made, the, the money mistakes that, that we both made. So just to show you that we're, we're at a particular point in our journey where we've made enough mistakes and uh, learned from other people's mistakes enough 
that we have been able to develop our own criteria for, you know, what, what really fits our lane. I don't like to get involved in things out of my lane. So we'll, uh, we'll go with that. So I think we've developed a few rules here and they're not, you know, the, the, the end all be all of wealth rules. Uh, there are just a few things that came to mind, specifically just four things that came to mind that, uh, we will, we'll cover here. So, uh, the last one, um, I'll allude to it. We'll save it for last, but it, it may not be one that anybody else has on their list of rules, but it's one, uh, that I have, and it, it has to do with, uh, hiring bank robbers. Uh, it's just one of those things you probably shouldn't do in business. We'll, we'll get to that. Unless it was Willie Sutton. Yep. <laughs> um, if you guys don't know what he's talking about, read the book. So that's our first yeah, reference was... to just read the book. Yeah. Well, you can yeah. Google Willie Sutton. He's, he's got a Wikipedia page. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, he's famous. Yeah. All right. So number one rule, and I guess I, I was going to say in no particular order, but I would actually say this is my number one rule, and Paul, maybe it's yours too. Do not put your capital at risk. So don't, like Warren Buffett, what, what's his number one rule? Don't lose money. Don't lose money. And then no, rule number two is reference rule number one. That's like, right. And it sounds so obvious and so easy, and everybody, I think, kind of laughs that one off until you've lost money before. And in my case, multiple times. Uh, now I understand it. I get it. I get why he says that. And it's not just because of that money that you're losing, because what are you really, what's, what are you really losing when you lose that capital? You're, you're losing the ability to earn interest on that capital for the rest of your life. Yep. So it's, it's an opportunity forever. cost. Yeah, it's gone forever. Opportunity cost of that money is immeasurably more you know, than that dollar amount was. So yeah, what do you have for this one? Do you got any uh, personal stories? I think we'll try to tie all of these to like a, a personal story or two of where we, we really came into this, uh, this lesson. But what do you got, Paul? I would say this, you know, fought, I don't know what year it was, 2016, maybe 2017. I was kind of getting interested in investing in real estate and, you know, got our first, got our first deal under our belt and partnered up with somebody that we, uh, that was referred to us. And, you know, that, that was, and I think everyone can say this, you know, the education that I've gotten from, from that opportunity, I can't really put a, a price tag on because it's been, it's been immensely useful, not from a rate of return perspective, because it hasn't made me or didn't make me a dime, right? Yeah. But the the things that I've learned from that from that experience have paid infinite amount of dividends as the years have ticked by, and I know just from experience what wrong looks like. But at the time, I had no idea. I was like, "Oh, this is going to be great." It's just like you know what they say on on all these podcasts you listen to. The guy's got you know a hundred single family rentals, and he got he bought them all in five days, and you know he's just crushing it, right? Yeah. Um, you know those are atypical stories, but yeah, and, and they're and they're not true. Yeah, they're not just atypical; they're just false. Right. And I was excited, and just didn't. I went against some hard and fast rules that I had learned. Right. I had learned them in some real estate education, and I. I totally ignored those rules anyway. It's kind of like when you're playing blackjack. There are certain rules that you abide by, right? And I didn't abide by the rules, and it, you know, and it uh, cost me in one aspect as far as rates of return, but on the other hand, I learned a lot. Yeah, and, and none of these, you're right. So we've lost a lot of money, but I wouldn't say we've, um, it's been a total loss because of the things we learned along the way. So, yeah. you know, no mine, 
you know, don't put capital at risk. Unfortunately, I've had to learn this over and over and over. Like every story I have about losing money leads back to this number one rule for me. So the first time I lost money was 2007. I invested in 2007, early 07, I was still a lieutenant in the Air Force. So how much was I making in 2007 as a lieutenant? I don't know, 40,000 a year maybe? Yeah, not um, much. Not much, not much at all. Um, but I had scraped together $25,000 and I had, you know, I knew some people who were building condos, they were developing condos and it was 2007, right? You could not lose being in real estate in 07. Like everybody was buying real estate. So, okay, let's do it. Yeah. Here's 25 grand. It's a sure thing. Well, uh, a year later, everybody knows what happened and I lost every bit of it. So, and I've never seen, I've never seen it since. And, uh, and I won't. And it didn't, and it wasn't just because that deal went bad, that they were actually, the developers were actually making the payments to the bank on schedule on time, but the bank decided that's too risky. We're pulling the funding. Like that's all, that's all that had to happen. The bank decided that's, we don't want it anymore. Even though you're abiding by the terms, we're done with it. It's almost like, you know, whoever has the gold makes the rules. Yeah. It's almost like that's an actual principle. So yeah. So what I learned from that one is don't, don't invest in things just because that's what everybody else is doing. Right. And, and again, that's one that everybody learns over and over. That's what the typical person does is you invest in things because that's what everybody else, Bitcoin, how many people put money into Bitcoin because that's what everybody's doing. Right. And now it's below $20,000. So, um, like Buffett says, be fearful when others are greedy. No, so I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That, that one really hits home to me now. So rule number one basically covers all the other rules. Like don't put your capital at risk, Yeah. but let's go on to the next one. Yeah. So we've talked about this before. Return on capital is less important than return of your capital. Right. Yeah. Return on capital versus return of capital. Yeah. I yeah. want my capital back. Even if I don't make a return on it, you know, the intent is to make a return Dave, right? Always. Yeah. Right. We want to grow the money that we have, but if we, if we can't, <laughs> I'll take that capital back. Thank you. Yeah. Just like that bank did. Yep. Exactly. They wanted a return of their capital. Yep. And was it really theirs? They probably got it from somebody else. No, right? it's somebody, <laughs> it's all of our money on deposit there. Yeah. But that return on capital, that's really seems to be the primary focus of, of the typical American, right? Is what's the rate of return? And it's, that's the number one focus and the return of capital is so far down the list that it's probably not even there. Because in every single investment you make that you sign for somewhere, I was sitting at a bank, I went in to talk, you know, about a loan or something. I was sitting at the desk waiting for the, the banker to come meet me. And there was a plaque on the desk and it talked about all these different financial products that they offer. And then there was a giant disclaimer at the bottom that said something to the effect that these are not FDIC insured. Uh, you assume all risk, you can lose 100% of your money in these investments. And I was like, wow, sign me up. Where, where can I get some of that? Yeah. Give me some of that. Right. Man, you it, get, that's where we put our money, isn't it? Yeah. So that one, so this goes, I mean, I got a story about that one in 2016. I was lured by that, you know, that ever elusive high rate of return, but this one was a doozy. This one was for you know just $50,000, I could loan my money. It was a debt loan, but I also got equity in it. So I was gonna earn 10% on my $50,000 over a five-year term. Um, so, okay, that, that, was, that was good at the time. 
I was happy with that. It was simple interest, not compound, but whatever. Um, but what really pulled me in was a little bit of equity. So the investor was reserving a piece of equity for all the investors. And the pro forma that was put in front of me, it's kind of akin to a lot of some life insurance agents like, like to sell life insurance by throwing an illustration at you. Sure. Like, look at this illustration. Especially those index universal life guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they if they don't lead with an illustration, um, you know, the company they're working for will probably smack them around and say, what are you doing? Get an illustration right. out there early and often. Yep. But so he put a pro forma in front of me and it was like, hey, starting after three years, you're going to start getting these equity payments because you're going to be an owner in this startup beverage company that's just going to go gangbusters because we have all the technology. We have all this cool stuff in place. And I was looking at it, I was like, wow, this is saying like in year number three, I'm going to earn like $150,000 of just straight equity. That's not even considering my capital that I get back also. And I would get years of that equity. So I was like, sign me up. Well, uh, it's been six years now. How much of that equity do you think I've seen? You've seen none of it. I know, I know you've seen none of it. Yep. And how much of my original capital have I had returned to me? None of it. And how much of that 10% per year on my capital have I seen? You've seen none of it. None of it. I've got nothing. Nothing to show for that, but just a giant fat disappointment. So that helped me switch my focus to return of my capital is the number one consideration there, right? Yep. No question. Yeah. So, you know, high rate of return. I don't know. There's so many studies. We could probably get into a lot. I don't have any in front of me, but that whole high rate of return isn't all it's cracked up to be. In fact, that you know, a 1% fee could do more damage to you than you know, a 1%, 2 or 3% increase in your rate of return could help you. So it's yeah. just the, the math is, yeah, it's not in your favor. Nope. So I guess what's your lesson learned there? Uh, my lesson learned for that was don't be lured by these pro formas that show a gigantic rate of return. Like, don't let that fool you. And I don't think I was intentionally being fooled, to be honest. I think no. this guy had all the, the the intention and integrity in the world, but one thing didn't work out. Uh, there was actually a, a partner in that relationship who was frauding, defrauding yeah, him. Fraud and, in there, yep. And there's a lot of fraud going on, a lot of stealing, a lot of uh, backdoor dealing that that he was not privy to, and uh, and it caught everybody off guard. And but that's all it takes, right? Is one person with no integrity to ruin the whole deal for everybody. You know, I think Kiyosaki. This is an important lesson I took from his reading his stuff. Was you know he says mind your business, and it doesn't mean like ignore what your neighbor's doing. You know, even if it's weird, it, he means when you're in business, you need to be mindful of what's occurring in it. Yeah. Right. You need to be mindful of who's at the helm, who's in control. What controls are you ceding to that other person? Do you know this person? Right. Like Dave and I have talked about this um, just privately. And you know, there's very few people that I personally know that I would go into business with. Right. And we've talked about, you know, we go yeah. into business with each other, I guess, by doing this podcast, we kind of are. But does that make sense? You really get to know people that you're going into business with. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And um, yeah, I wouldn't take those relationships lightly. I've had a business partnership before. Yeah. And uh, with someone know. who was very good. Yeah. yeah. And, and we were good. And it was good. It was a good partnership until our visions started to diverge. And I yeah. wanted to go this way. He wanted to go that way. And we decided, you know. Um, if, if we ever get to the point where we can't maintain the same vision, then it's time to part ways. 
Yeah. Um, and we, we did that, but yeah, mind your business. That's a good one. That's a good one. That could be one of the rules, but we didn't put it down. Yeah. We didn't write it down here. Yeah. But mind uh, your business. Yeah. All right. What, uh, so the next one, I, I put this in a question form, but really what it is, is what are the risks and how can you eliminate or mitigate those risks? So if you, if you got an opportunity and you haven't played the what if game to the nth degree to identify all the risks uh, involved, then you're probably not doing enough of what you need to do to, to really do the due diligence for that one. I'm going to speak to our military folks real quick and, and really everybody, but you guys had that in the Air Force, right? PACE, primary yeah. alternate contingency emergency. Yeah, PACE for, Sure, right? So that's kind of how I look at things now because it, it works. You know, what can go wrong will go wrong. And I look at everything that I do now. I look at someone's ability to repay. Like, all right, what, what do they do for a living? Oh, they're a, they're a Navy doctor. Okay, great. Uh, I know she has a good income. I know exactly what she makes. And, oh, her husband has a good income, too. So I know they have the ability to repay even if their deal falls through, right? Anyway, primary alternate contingency emergency. That's, That's a good one. To look at stuff. Yeah, yeah so that'd be a great. Pace plan. Yep. That'd be and a great then way to maybe do. break glass in the back end of that after emergency. There's, you know, yeah, break glass plan. <laughs> break glass for emergency. So, um, no, I, I've got another one, you know, another time. And I'll just you know keep throwing myself under the bus and, and expose all the mistakes I've made. But uh, in 2018, I put self-directed uh, my Roth IRA. So I got rid of all my IRAs in like 2015, all my traditional ones, but I kept the Roth because I'd already paid the taxes on that. Now it's tax-free income. Um, I just hope it remains tax-free income for the rest of my life, but uh, or tax-free earnings that is. So I self-directed my Roth IRA into a five-year uh, private lending agreement. And you know, there's nothing securing my loan. Uh, there was nothing giving me any um, any security that, hey, if I don't get my capital back, hey, at least you'll have this tangible asset that it can be secured by. Well, lo and behold, that was 2018, put it into a five-year note, and we are now uh, almost five years into that note. I'm actually four months from maturity on that one, and I just got an email saying, hey, I'm probably not going to have the money to pay you back. So there you go. That's That's tough to hear, man again. So I'm going to rescue Dave here a little bit. The good news is, is I can share in this one with him. And, you know, it, it was Friday afternoon. I was driving down to the lake and I get this text message from Dave and it reads it aloud over the, over the Bluetooth. Uh, did you get an email from so-and-so? And I'm like, I don't know, I'm driving. And then, uh, lo and behold, I was like, Hey Tammy, check the check my email and sure, sure enough. And I made her, I made her read it. I, I made her, I asked her to read it to me. And, you know, I, I tell you, it bothered me, man. And I feel better now, but it, it, it bothered me most of the weekend. Um, cause I've, I've had a good track record. Um, and you know, of course, knowing this part of this podcast lesson, everybody is, you know, knowing what we know now, we would not have done these opportunity or this particular opportunity with what we've learned now. Oh, for um, sure. And you wouldn't have made that, you wouldn't have done that in 2020. Nope. I, I no. Right. In the last couple of years, um, I've smart, smartened up to the point that, you know, my 07 investment, my 2015, slow, slow learner, folks, slow learner, air force, air force then, <laughs> fighter pilot. Hey, we all, we all have our own journey, Paul. We're all on our own pace. That's right. So, but no, you're at, was, you're at a medium, you're at a medium pace. Yeah. I'm a uh, slightly average. 
So 07, 2015, 2018, all that money. Hopefully I get some of that money from 2015, 2018 back. I know I won't get the 07 money back, but I mean, that could, that right there totals, just to put this in context to everybody, that's over, over $100,000 in capital that right now I don't foresee getting returned to me, unfortunately. And there's really no, there, there's, there's really no remedy on my part. I mean, you can sue somebody, but if they don't have money to pay you, you're right. not getting any money. That's right. Right? So it doesn't do a whole lot of good. So yeah, analyze the risks. What would it take for this to fail? And usually there's there's a hundred different variables. So, you know, you're I used to flip houses. So in the very first house I ever flipped in 2016, I lost money on. Started in 2016, didn't sell it to 2017, but I lost eleven thousand dollars on it. But the learning I got from that was worth a lot more than eleven thousand dollars. Um, still I wouldn't recommend anybody do it. It's not good to go and lose money just to get educated. So uh, luckily now we get to get educated while we're putting our money to work and earning money. So, so what's different about the way we utilize our money now by following these rules, Paul? How has how that, how have we turned this, this whole thing around and you know the places you and I put our money now, how are we feeling about that? Well, I feel much better. I mean, experience has brought me a lot farther along in the past few years, especially, again, looking back, there's there's private loans that I did that were very profitable and I've been paid back and I had return of capital and huge returns, but I wouldn't do those loans again. Right. I was very, it was early in my lending career, um, a private lending career, but th there's no way, you know, there's, there was no collateral, there was no personal guarantee, there was just a promissory note to a business that owned nothing, right? Like, yeah. I wouldn't do that now. Now, there was a referral in there from someone that you trusted, someone that, that you know, that you knew very well uh, in the Air Force. And, and, and so far, you know, knock on wood, uh, that referral source has not done me wrong yeah. once. And that has resulted in probably five, six, seven now private loans in the last five years out yeah. there in, uh, in the great state of Utah. Right. Anyway, so... I think that's the biggest lesson for me is that collateral yeah. you need if you're gonna do something just like a, you have to here here it is let's go back to nelson you gotta think like a bank yeah and what do banks take they take collateral yeah what do they not take <laughs> risk take, i would say risk, risk. Like, right like there may <laughs> right. be a little risk in there but they don't take risk they take collateral well like they don't really have any risk anymore because the government just keeps bailing them out when they right. you know buy you know bundle subprime mortgages into these bonds and anyway that's a different story yeah. but anyway they don't take risk yeah. By and large. Yeah. Collateral is huge because at the end of the day, if you don't get your capital back, at least you've got something that you can do something with. Like it may be a real pain to, to take a, a dump truck or a house in another state and, uh, and take ownership of that and then try to sell it and, and, and salvage your money. But at least it's something, right? It's just one further layer of protection. One, one more way to mitigate that risk of losing your capital. Yeah. Yeah. So I got... Let me add this, Dave, real quick. Hold hold the thought. My thought is this as well. I've learned a lot along the way. I like I like being, quote, passive. I don't know if that's the right term, but I like not getting my hands dirty. Maybe that's called laziness or whatever, but I like, and I, you know, Ryan's going to beat me up for saying this. I like the mailbox money. Yeah. Right? So, but what's to say that what I've learned is I can do what other people can do I'm going to create my own opportunity, and if I fail, it's on me. At least, at least I, at least I know that, right? So, don't be afraid to uh, to create your own opportunities as well, right? Because 
I was, I'm reading a book right now called Disrupting Sacred Cows. It's Gary Gunderson's follow-on to Killing Sacred Cows. Oh, okay. And um, something he said in there really confirmed a feeling I had. Like, I got out of the real estate investing business, like direct real estate, like, you know, buying yeah. houses direct from sellers, flipping them, flipping contracts, that kind of stuff. I never enjoyed it. It was never a passion whatsoever. I actually, it was the opposite of enjoyment for me. So that wasn't my path to wealth. It may be some other people's path, but I just want to let other people out there know that if you think that's the only, like there's only one path to wealth and it's through real estate and owning a bunch of rental properties, it's not because you may absolutely hate that. Like I never want to own a single family property again in my life and I never will unless it's one I'm living in, right? Because I don't want it. Uh, it's, it's, it's not worth the headache to me. I can do better with my money somewhere else. That's right. Um, but that's because I've, I've pursued other directions and I've learned more. I've learned different methods of, of making money. And I found one that works for me and my personality and, and my strengths. So I think that's what it's all about is find something that suits you. And when you're well capitalized, you'll have the ability to strike on those opportunities. Yeah. Find your niche. Right. Whatever that niche. is. Yep. Could be anything. Um, like I had somebody come to me recently and said, Hey, I've got a, um, a, a friend who's got a music business and it's like music and NFTs combined and they're looking for startup capital. And I was like, I just told him right off the bat, I was like, Hey, that's cool, but I don't know anything about it. That's not my lane, but I do know somebody in my network who, who knows stuff about that. So I'll send it to him, but it's not for me. Thanks though. Yeah. Um, I'm not even going to consider something like that because I'm not interested and I know nothing about it. Right. Yeah. And, and there's so many more opportunities out there. Right. Yep. That you understand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. At this point. Well, let's not neglect uh, my fourth rule, which is don't hire bank robbers. So I got a little story behind this one. In uh, I believe it was 2018, I was in that partnership. Uh, you know, Stephen and I were building that business or actually it was built, but we were running it still. Did did my capital pay this bank robber? <laughs> Actually, yeah, you had loaned us uh, about a hundred grand of unsecured capital at that point, which you would never do again. But it, it helped, and you got paid back. Um, yep. But so we we were in a hiring crunch, and you know that was the worst part about the job is trying to hire the right people, right? And then firing people and hiring the right people. So we spent a lot. A lot of time I was looking for this dispositions manager and, and their, the, the job of that person was to, once we have a house under contract, they were going to show the house. They were going to line up the buyers, the real estate investors for it. They were going to negotiate back and forth. They were going to go to the, the, the showings and the closings, take the money to the bank, deposit it in the bank and call it a day. Well, so we hired this gal, super great girl. I don't know, 25, 26 years old. Um, she was, you know, she would do everything I said. She would do it on time. She would do it just like I asked her to do it. I was like, after three weeks of training her, I was sitting back feeling like a rock star. Like, man, I, I hired a rock star. I did pretty awesome on this one. Man, good job, Dave. I was patting myself on the back. And then uh, checked my email and Steven had sent me an email. And he said, email just said, check this out. Well, he was doing some research on all the employees in the company to put together a bio for a website. He sent an email to me. The headline said, this girl's name, the Saudi woman who robbed five U.S. banks. She was a bona fide, legitimate bank robber, armed robber. And she spent three years in prison. 
Um, Didn't have any background check systems in place, did we, Dave? Yeah, so the very next day, we instituted (laughs) background checks into our hiring process. So that's how you learn lessons. Um, but the whole, the whole ordeal was like, you know, I, I immediately contacted our attorney. I was like, Hey, you know, what are our options here? We want to get rid of her. He's like, yeah, you can fire her as long as she's not the only convicted felon that you're firing. Um, you know, otherwise that's discriminatory if you're only hiring, firing one convicted felon, uh, and not all of them. Luckily she was the only one we had. Uh, and she was 1099 contractor. You can drop contractors, you know, right. with no reason whatsoever. Yep. Um, but the attorney sent back an email titled firing a felon and he sent it to a team email account. So she was on that email too. So <laughs> <laughs> this gets better and better. And then, uh, so the next time I checked my email was like an hour and a half after he sent that. And I see an email from her that says, what is this? So I immediately had to call her and, um, fired her over the phone. Actually like, look, it's just, you're handling money. It's not a risk our business can take. Um, so we got to let you go. Sorry. Um, and that was the last we ever heard from her. You know, she, she threatened legal action, whatever. Um, we didn't hear back. Yeah. But, uh, so there you go, ladies and gentlemen. But I don't, she was good at her job though. Yeah. She was phenomenal at her job. Yeah. Uh, but you know, that could have ruined the reputation of a con- company. Yeah. Um, having a, a convicted bank robber. probably softening you guys up, right? Getting, you know, getting into the game and then. Oh yeah, here's ten thousand in cash. Go deposit this. There you go. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> no, that was the contractors. You never pay a contractor in cash. Right. But uh, yeah, that's for sure. No, but that was uh, so. You know, I I don't hire bank robbers anymore. I do background checks if I hire anybody, uh, and I highly recommend everybody else do it. It's only like fifty bucks. So it's super cheap. Yep. Yeah. We've done it with our, um, you know, when we have new tenant or something. You know, you just run a quick background check with their social and stuff, and yeah. You can pay different different tiers, get their credit, and yeah. oh yeah, due diligence, hey. right? There's some there's some cost to it, but it's it's well. And worth a credit it. score for a tenant is huge. If they got a bad credit score. I'm not I'm not I wouldn't put them in a rental. Nope. No, and they all have the same sob story. Oh, that was a mistake, and I'm fixing it. It's it every single time. Like yeah. that. Next. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm sorry, sorry man, but. That's why I'm not in the single family rental business anymore. Yeah, especially in like a class C neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right, man. I think we got through some good rules. Just a, a quick overview of the, the ones we hit on. One, don't put your capital at risk. Two, return on capital is less important than return of capital. Uh, three, identify the risks and play the what if game and find ways to mitigate and or eliminate all of those risks. And four, don't hire bank robbers. So there you go. Solid advice. Yeah. Thanks. Go write a book about that. Gold. Yeah. Well, all right, man. Well, it's about time. I got to get off the football practice. So enjoy. Yeah. Baseball was canceled because we had severe rain yesterday and today. And it's actually really nice right now. But yeah, you enjoy it. And uh, we'll see you next week. All right, buddy. We'll see you. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to have a conversation with us to see how you can become your own banker, or if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to tackle on a future episode, please send us an email to David and Paul at theibcguys.com. And subscribe and leave us a review if you're on Apple. Follow and leave us a five-star review if you're on Spotify. And please share this with your friends. We'll see you next week.